I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning, everyone. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everyone sort of to dovetail off of our most recent Express conversation, as well as I'm also going through an electronic submittal right now. I wanted to chat about this conversation about digital versus paper and what the future of our industry looks like in that regard. And we sort of touched on it in our construction uh, series at the very tail end of the conversation, so we didn't get to dig in it too much. And I don't don't think... um, got too much of your opinion on it but in my mind I'm convinced that we we will have a future at least in in regards to larger projects for sure a future where we could see all digital no paper in existence at all for anything so let me start by telling you a little bit about right now so the first part of that is the submittal process and we're seeing that with COVID now Um, A lot of cities have finally adopted the electronic submittal and taken plans in that way. We talked about in our uh, construction episode a little bit about the potential of using BIM models and those models being transported to the the city to review, which I think is an amazing idea, and I hope we can get there. I think we're sort of at the whim of the city to, to adopt that type of thinking. But um, I think we're definitely going to go that route. But going through this digital uh, electronic submittal, I, I, you know, there's the pluses and minuses. 
So on the minus side, I'm already experiencing is just the technological frustrations that you sure. <laughs> that you run into. Like I would occasionally jump on the website and uh, all the submittals that I did, it would just be gone. It'd just be a complete blank screen on my dashboard. No submittals shown at all. So I'm like, yep. what in the... What the hell? <laughs> so I would have to wait like a day for whatever system to reboot and catch up everything. Yep. But on the plus side... You don't have to go to the city. You uh, don't have to spend the money on all those, you know, five or six prints, sets of prints. It's just upload it and everything is fairly smooth. The difference between submitting by hand is there's um, plan check tech, I think. And they're not Hmm. the people that check the plans. So they look for some information, but not a whole lot. And I think when you do the electronic submittal, it's actual plan checkers that kind of take a quick look through it so they catch things and That's they're nice. like kick yeah. it back to you like no you yeah. need to add this before we look at it so sure. there's that but it's interesting to start to see this transition that i think is going to be the future in my opinion i think i think the trading of the information back and forth you know what i mean from submittal to check to send back to you guys for notes and comments and all those kind of things i think that would absolutely go electronic Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it cuts out a lot of storage. It cuts out a lot of you know paper waste. It cuts out a lot of time. You know all these other kind of things, right? And then the nice part about it is you have record of when something was sent, received, yeah. sent back. You know all that kind of stuff, which I like because everybody, you know, I, a buddy of mine's like this master at recap emails, and I can't stand, but it makes sense, right? Because you have everything like electronically there. What the the other side of it though, I think once it get past plan check and stuff like that, like I just did a walk this morning at a at a project I was telling you about, mm-hmm. and you know they're not walking out there with an iPad or a you know Surface or whatever it is. It's like literally printed out stuff and drawing on you know the the paper again, yeah. right? Yeah. So you know you would then so those there's there's a lot of people that still want to have the paper printed out, right? And I, I I only went digital because I made a conscious effort about it two years ago because it made my life easier mm-hmm. to find the right program on an iPad to make my notes on the drawings. And, and so I could then have record of exactly what I did back and forth and email it to myself, right? You're not shuffling so, around a yeah. papers everywhere. And then having to like save the papers or then get back and scan them or yeah. do whatever it was. You're just walking around with an iPad, you know, yeah. um, or a tablet, I should say tablet, sorry. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I think there's still a lot of people that need to pull things out and write notes on it that aren't capable of, of doing the, like we talked about before, like the walk in their mind, mm-hmm. right. Of what's going on. And they literally have to sketch it out so that their mind can put those pieces together. So, um, so I think the submittal process, I think the initial designing, I think the 3d modeling that we're talking about would be great for presentations and all that kind of stuff and not having to do the blueprints. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a whole other spectrum once it gets past the approval side mm-hmm. and into that, it's going to be, Blueprints are still going to be out there, which means you're going to miss, you know, changes. The guys didn't get the right leaflets, you know, all those other kind of things where if we look at it from this perspective, I think digital would be so much better Yeah. because then it's like you just lock down whatever that version was before you can't get it. And now there's a new updated version, but then that also relies on those people uploading the right thing and canceling out the other thing and blah, 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 blah. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So it sounds like you think the, Education is not necessarily the right word, but maybe it is the right word. But Comfortability. Yeah, getting everyone in the field to understand how to use the programs and, you know, be able to track files per date and all that stuff. um, Is You think that's sort of the 
that's the, the biggest that's the biggest dinosaur yeah because i think the other thing you have too is all these builders have always gone to all these um you know, like online scheduling programs and you know oh dude it's a mess like we've been trying to do it for years you know what i mean and it's like you get the guys that are still like well i know what it says in there but you know email me or call me you know what i mean it's like well why do both because then the two don't match yeah you know what i mean and that type of deal so i just think there's a whole other side it's almost like you got to split it in two right what you're going to do conceptually from you know client to um planner and then back and forth mm-hmm. And then once the concept is, is completed and, and you're good to go into production, then there's a whole other stage mm-hmm. where it's like, would that whole other side of the business ever be able to do things digitally? Mm-hmm. The answer is at some point they're going to have to, yeah. you know what I mean? Because just everything in the world is going more and more digital every day. Yeah. But how do we make that bridge? Because it'd be awesome because there's a lot of input you guys don't get from the field. Yeah. Because they don't know how to do that and translate it back. Right. So going over, like I told you, I'm literally flipping kitchens this morning with family rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to take that information and get it back to the planner so he can take a look at it and understand how and why it didn't work in the field so we can be better for the next time. Usually what would happen is that would just get sketched out on a drawing somewhere and then it would happen in a frame walk. And then usually the builder would then go back and hopefully tell you guys to update the plans. Right. But there's a lot of stuff that gets missed in between. So it's almost like I wonder if you could have like a live version of it that's kind of like continuing to morph as somebody makes a change. Does that make sense? Yeah, they probably, um, I mean, you can do it. It's just a matter of if the builder is willing to pay for it to essentially have, you know, just a constant update. Um, I mean, we do do, um, you do create updated drawings when they, cause they have to go back to the, to the city to do, um, you know, the Delta Delta revisions which yeah. is whatever significant changes right. occurred. Uh, right. So they have to get that updated with the city anyway. Um, right. So there is that process, but um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it would make sense necessarily to have sort of a constant feed. I mean, cause that would be picked up anyway during Delta revisions. I think for the most part, there's, there's very m- minimal that's missed in that, in that sort of exchange. That makes um, sense. So I I don't know that it, there would be necessary. It would be necessary to sort of have a drafter there just constantly updating things. Right. I mean, but there's there's another part to it too. Like you know, I'm a I'm a good example. We get sent plans electronically all the time, whether it's through Dropbox or a builder specific, you know, um, website or portal or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I still ask my team to print them all out for me. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I don't have a computer program that goes yet, which I should get, right? That goes in that I can scale out and do whatever. Like I still like, you know, using this thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and which is architects ruler. Yeah, right. Which is a super archaic, you know, deal in comparison to what's available these days. But that's how I learned. So until I force myself to do it the other way or force us to buy some program, which I know is probably not over, you know, overly expensive, I'm still even using paper. Yeah. for that situation you know what i mean yeah in that sense i don't think that'll ever go away just because it's so much faster to be able to print something out and look at it right in front of you on two different sheets of paper and quickly compare red line and markup well uh, and i don't, I don't think know you can get the scope of this and the other issue is like unless you have like a 65 inch tv that you're working on i don't know if you can really get the scope of the the whole project while you're making adjustments you know what i'm saying yeah you need to get like zoomed in on a screen and have decent sized screens but it's like it doesn't you know what i mean you 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 visually you cut everything down it's not the same thing so um i would think you need some of those tools to be able to 
again, going back to comfortability and feel more comfortable getting out of that mode. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to your question about, you know, having someone live. I, the, the more I thought about it, I think if you like for larger projects, if you have the BIM model and you transfer that over to the, the builder or whoever's sort of leading the construction, I think mm-hmm. in that case, if they had somebody like uh, we talked with Willard, who's the um, I forget his title, but he's basically managing the BIM model. Right. Right. Um, maybe you have that person that is yeah. doing that live update of the of the drawing on the construction site. And, right. and it's not there's one less step of having to send it back to the architect to update and then send back right. to the contractor. Um, right. Maybe that continues and sort of branches out from there. But I think there's a lot that throughout the process of our industry, a lot of the paper portion slows us down and can be cut away at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of who's going to do it. I think right. there's more and more tech-minded people entering the field, and somebody is going to approach this in a very technological way to where they're thinking big picture they're fully adopting bim models they're working with the city to sort of force them to start to speed up and consider some of this stuff um and then the other thing that we talked about before and some people are skeptical about this but construction being managed without paper where you're wearing the uh i've said this a few times wearing the hololens glasses because you can lock down the model in a in a certain space and then you can lay down the studs visually through the goggles and then just yep. bang out all your studs and nail everything down and you don't you're not looking at plants it's right there in front of you you see right. where you where you put things right. um in my opinion i think that's the future and it's very possible it's a matter of hollow lens or whatever glasses and we're throwing out all these brand names. Hopefully somebody sponsors yeah. us. <laughs> but, I, I, uh, think, I think I would look at that and I would challenge it and say, I don't, you know, I think we talked about this before. I would like to see more of the, you know, the, the manufactured factory built mm, projects mm-hmm. before, before you see that, because almost like from a kit building standpoint, right? Like, look, you can't put it there cause it don't fit. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so ultimately like, and I've seen it go up and I'm, I'm super impressed with it. And I know a couple of projects that we were on that weren't originally done that way have now been flopped that way mm-hmm. because they've recognized the speed and the accuracy and everything that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And they've seen the offset. Yeah. So I know what's been really interesting that we've talked about for so long has been what's the offset and cost and is it really worth it and whatever they actually have determined it's worth it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see that step happen first, because if you look at it, that's a controlled environment where it is paperless. Yeah. Everything's panelized and built together and it's literally a Lego kit. Okay. A one, a two, a three, whatever it is. And then it goes out there. So the guys could look at just an iPad at that point. Cause they really don't have to look at anything else yeah. and just have put this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one, you yeah. follow what I'm saying. Yeah. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a way to take that step without taking a leap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then I think, I want to take the leap, man. I know you do. It's all right. (laughs) And, uh, and I, and I appreciate that. And I wish more people thought that way, but, but it's also not our money. (laughs) So it's a little bit easier. (laughs) It's always the easiest. Right. Um, but I think the thing that, that you're saying with the BIM modeling and everything, I think that's coming down the future. Now, what I, what I don't know if it's going to replace it is like the ideas of some of these 3d printing models. 
You know what I mean? Like which, oh. which one would come first? You follow what I'm saying? The, the 3d printer, like construction you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and you've seen some of that stuff or the cell blocking and all yeah. this other kind of things. So I, I'm curious, it's going to go more technologically advanced. I don't, I don't know if that's really the discussion, right? No. I, I, I think it's going to just like, I don't, I know, even though I hate it and I'm going the opposite and buying an old nasty, you know, classic car with a, <laughs> with a gas smelling motor. Yeah. I know everything's going electronic, whether I like it or not. At some point, everything's going to be an electric drivetrain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's just the way it's going to go. So it just becomes, how are they going to do that? You yeah. follow me? So I'd say the technology is going to continue to advance because it has to. And we have too many sure. smart people now that are technologically advanced that are going to want to push that agenda because that's what they're comfortable with. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And then somebody's going to give them a chance, just like this panelized construction and go, Oh, it works. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like there's some, there's some merit to this. Yeah. You know, we've, we've kind of peeled back the veil and we're good to go. So what version of it is it going to be? Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be the, the guy with it was, what's the sponsor's name? I'm yeah. supposed to say <laughs> the, the HoloLens, the HoloLens glasses that are going around because those things are going to be expensive and the guys are going to screw them up because you bang your head into something or whatever. That's what happens. Uh-huh. Or if it's panelized or if it's a 3d printing or if it's, you know, whatever that is to a, to a massive standpoint. But I like what we talked about last week, which was the idea of the conceptualized on the floor um, projection projection where people can actually walk it and feel it and live it to eliminate the waste on the other side. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe you do that. And then based off of that, then you panelize the whole thing and you roll, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that, that may be the interim step that everybody needs to feel comfortable to. Yeah. You know what I mean? With going that direction. Cause it's like, Oh, I've already been through this. I don't have to make changes. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's steps. I, I just don't know what steps. Yeah. I think the the first person that, you know, really wants to push this ahead and has the finances to do so, mm-hmm. assumingly, um, you know, get capital backing probably is the way to go. But um, I think the, the company that commits and really pushes the threshold here will far, uh, far exceed the, the risk um, that they're putting in to, to do so. I think they will dramatically change the industry if they commit to the technologies in this way so like in our shipping container episode we spoke with mark and he talked about how the builders that he's working with they they don't see that first project as a money maker per se it's a matter of figuring out the system and then as they go down the line you know they get more and more efficient and then their profit margin grows the more efficient that they get with the system. So it's a long-term commitment rather than just um, looking at it immediately as, you know, it makes the project run so much more smoothly. You have to kind of play it out to work out all the bugs, and then you'll really start to see the gains later on to make up that difference. Because there's a lot of efficiency to be had and created by committing to some of this stuff. It's just a matter of biting the bullet to do so. And I think, I think here's the other thing, right? So you're not just looking at the one guy that you want to see that's willing to bite the bolt and do it. Yeah. The issue that we had, cause there's probably a lot of those people that yeah. are like, you know, let's, let's say if you and I finally decided to go build a house somewhere, spec out a house or whatever, we're like, this is how we're doing it. Right. Well, now I've got to find an engineer that's cool with it. I got to find a framer that's cool with it. I got to find a plumber that's cool with it. I got to find an electrician. You know what I mean? Like down, down, down. And let's be honest. Yeah. Those guys aren't necessarily in general, the most forward thinking or wanting to be technologically sound. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's more about, I've been doing this for years and this is how it rolls. Yeah. Not everybody, but yeah. that's a general statement, right? So it's almost like you become, you struggle with the idea, uh, the project with the idea of doing that because the project that we're, there's one that we're working on here in Brea that I mentioned to you before had like three or four variations per floor. Yeah. 
uh-huh. right? It's brain damage working with the other subcontractors. It is because it's like, this is how it needs to be every time. And it's like, well, we'll figure it out in the field. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. This is, this is how it is. And it's literally scoped specifically for how they need it to be. And it almost like the way I look at it, I'm like, it takes out all the guesswork. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it hits this number every time. So as long as you hit this number every time, you're good to go. Now, is there some tolerances and whatnot? Sure. But you still have guys that are trying to do it the old way every time. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's the, it's the issue of finding the right, getting the whole team that's on the same page. And so, and I think that's what I'm saying. So I think getting 20 to 25% of that team that wants to do it is cool, but the 75% outside of that, our industry is antiquated. We all know that and we all agree with that. That becomes the very difficult part to do so. Yeah. And then who supplies all the technology for all that? That's the other part, right? Yeah. Money. Yeah. Uh, if you are thinking this way, way, let me know. We'll, we'll arrange a, a group, a collaborative to start thinking this way and move, uh, move a project down this direction. So, but anyway, we, uh, we're up against it. We will talk again on Thursday. Thanks. This show is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcasting app. It helps others find us, and your support is the only way that this show grows. And don't forget to connect with us through our Facebook community, Instagram, and see the random thoughts and articles that we share on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. 
bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK, the three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.